Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to a Celtic State of Mind. It's Monday afternoon. It's 12.30-ish. I'm Paul John Dykes and I'm joined by Asim Rabani <coughs> and Jerry Taylor here for what is normally a very positive and upbeat Monday afternoon bulletin. And the, me and the guys have just been talking about how difficult that is becoming because there are issues in front of us and we're going to have to address them. Uh, Asim, let's start with the game. Let's start with the game. We'll then look at the issues that we've got with Brendan and, and the team. And then, of course, what then comes into that are the wider, more deep-rooted issues at Celtic Football Club at the moment. But um, I, I seem I was sitting at half-time with Kevin McCluskey doing the match day stuff. And we're sitting thinking, that wasn't a bad first half. I didn't see the signs in the first half. But we did mention that we have been a team that can put in a good performance in one half of football and be a completely different team in another half generally the second half of a game. And that's exactly what was served up. Were you feeling the same at half-time? Were you thinking, right, everything's going to plan here? Uh, I, I didn't think it was a, a, obviously a scintillating performance. But yes, I thought the, the speed of play was was improved at times. Um, and I thought it was generally a, a decent first half. We, we restricted Kilmarnock um, to limited chances. I think they had one set piece. But I generally thought there was a bit more tempo to our play. Um, still not creating enough chances Still not really, you know, the the output from our wingers is honestly, it's it's atrocious right now in terms of from both flanks. But I thought generally, at least we were trying to move the ball quicker. I was impressed with Greg Taylor. Um, and at halftime, yeah, you're like, OK, 1-0, let's really push on. But we've seen this so many times, an absolute collapse from this in the second half. And how many times have we seen that in recent games? It's not even inconsistency from, from game to game anymore. It's inconsistency within games. Um, second half, it's always about that 50, 60 minute mark. We just seem to, we look tired. We look like we've got fitness issues. The manager makes changes, which are now baffling. He, he makes us weaker, I think. You know, the last two weeks in a row now, I think, the changes he's made has almost made us weaker on the park. Um, so the, the problems were there for all to see around about the, the 50, 60 minute mark. You could see what was coming and we just never recovered the whole the whole situation. Then he made the subs, which again, I thought just made us worse. Um, and let's be honest, that, that equaliser was no surprise to anybody in the stadium, anybody watching. Um, it, we could all see it coming. And and the worrying thing is, even even your experienced players, your, your seasoned pros, Callum McGregor was panicking in the last 10 minutes. Yeah, the manager was incapable of changing it and seeing the, the problems, um, and that's for you know I've, we've been critical of so many things in in the last couple of months, but for me it's time to actually look at the manager as well today, and I'm I'm sure we will discuss that in, in a lot more greater detail because I've I've been one of his kind of defenders in the sense that I think we have got one of the poorest squads right now that that I can remember in quite a while, but that being said, he's he's got to take a lot of responsibility for what we're seeing at the moment. Um, and and like I said, the the draw in the end, we were lucky to probably even get a draw. You know, th- there's a couple of things I'm going to pick up on there. You're talking there about the gaff, uh, the, the captain, uh, and that that really is the manager on the park. We've we've given him loads of plaudits, loads of plaudits, and deservedly so. But see, at the weekend there, 
right? More so than ever before. And I pointed it out after the game. <clears throat> Jerry, I don't know if you noticed, right? 55 minutes on the clock. Yang gets the ball, right? And we'll talk about that as well because obviously we had to hook Palmer because he had a stinking first half. <laughs> Yang gets the ball. He's in the centre circle, right? And initially I'm thinking, you take... You take ownership of this. You run at the defence. You carry the ball. Because the minute you carry that ball 20, 30 yards, and they can do it, by the way, then you're going to have Kilmarnock's shape affected. They're going to be, obviously, on the back foot. He didn't want to do it. And he's looked up. There's two other guys in the centre circle. Callum McGregor, Matt O'Reilly, best player this season, I would suggest, maybe not in the last few weeks. And none of the two wanted the ball off him. Eventually, it goes to O'Reilly, and O'Reilly looks up with the exact same kind of look on his face, and the lack of tempo, the lack of speed, and McGregor doesn't want the ball off O'Reilly. And I, I remember thinking, wow, that was a strange passage of play, you know, because we are so dynamic. It's as if there's a rhythm where we know where everybody's going, or we should know where everybody's going to be, where the runners are going to be. They looked up and there was nothing on. We're one nothing up at home against Kilmarnock. And a must-win game, Jerry. <clears throat> that is a concern when your best player and your captain aren't grabbing that situation by the by the scruff of the neck and taking ownership of it. That that concerns me gravely over the weekend and actually over the last few weeks. But just picking up on uh, what Asim was saying about McGregor, even the guys that you think you can hang your hat on, they're not at the races at the moment. No. That is really worrying when you, even your skipper's panicking. <laughs> He's the one that's there to steady the ship. If you look at all the body language, quite early on in games, they all look scum at each other. It started coming in quite early on when we were laughing and joking about Craig, uh, Greg Taylor uh, having a go at Liam Scales and other people. But we've not seen that in previous seasons where they're actually nipping at each other and picking each other. And the difference is that we're not playing as a team. We don't seem... I'm really worried what's happening behind the scenes now because a lot of them do look like they've downed tools. I know Maeda isn't known for his, um, his sparkling personality at times, but even he, I have noticed a massive difference. It's as if he just... He doesn't care. And at, at 60 minutes in, the worrying thing for me was I kind of accepted it was going to be a draw because it's been Groundhog Day and we've been battered down by it all season. I just, I'd accepted it, which is a horrible thing to say. Now, I've not accepted that this league's over and we'll talk about that later on. Far, far from it. But to have to watch that Jekyll and Hyde <coughs> performance. Yeah, it's frozen. It's, when that see, when that happens, something's got sorry, to change. You know, somebody put on Twitter. Aye, someone put on Twitter. We need to stop saying that we're waiting for this team to click because this is it, and that's the worrying thing. Because it is. It's like, when do we stop saying this? It's oh, we're waiting for them to jail. We're at the last the, the last part of the season here. If they've not jailed now, then that is what's <laughs> worrying. So yeah. But I will come to some positives later on, I promise you. And by the way, do you remember that time we beat Barcelona with Tony Watt scored? <laughs> Can we not just discuss that game today? We'll, well just there's, a that. Good, there's a very good video um, where Johan Mialbi discussing that very game on the channel. Go and check it out behind the scenes when we were speaking to him at Gracie's. And, you know, when, when I look at the performance at the weekend, picking up on one of Jerry's points, I see Jungle Lion says every week we keep hearing the same old rubbish. Yeah. And it's true. Because, I mean, I think um, after the, the game at Easter Road, you're looking for something. You're trying to grab something from the performance, a rotten performance at Easter Road, where we win the game with a last-minute penalty, right? <coughs> Which was a penalty, there's no doubt about it. And then we're looking at the Ralston moment, and we're trying to be as balanced as possible. <coughs> Not cheerleaders, no happy clappers, but you're looking for moments because sometimes seasons can hinge on moments like that. And it's not happening. And every week, I see we're <coughs> running out of games for it yeah. to click, as Jerry says. It's not, this is what we've got. And I think if we go back, right, we'll go back to the 7th of February. Uh, we led with the tagline, um, over to you, Brendan. And I think the mentality that we had at that point was, right, you've got all the guys you've got in the door. You can't do anything else with the squad. It's yeah. over to you to be that manager, the, the highest paid manager in the history of Celtic Football Club, to take that squad of players and go on a run. Now, people outside the bubble might say, what are you moaning about? You know, yeah. you're on a 10-game unbeaten run. No, no, no. It's it's much bigger than a 1-1 draw against Aberdeen and a 1-1 draw against Kilmarnock, I seen, because you're seeing the signs every single week now that lack of cohesion, lack of 
um, tempo, <coughs> but almost a lack of belief in players that you should be able to believe in. Yeah, this this goes back way way back even before February. Like this has been on the cards right from from the very early stages of the season. If I can't think of three or four good performances consistently we put put on the on the bounce. You look even way back with the, the St Johnson at home game. What we've done in stages this season is like you say have moments, have odd games where suddenly we'll win the derby fixture or we'll go on a two or three winning game run, and then it's back to the norm. There's a there's a drop points waiting, and that's why. Even if you look in the last uh, three, four weeks with, with Rogers' kind of comments, he's talking about outside noise. And, uh, you know, last week when he's talking with Neil Lennon, talking about the, the run that we've been on, nine games, I almost was right, OK, I don't mind that because I felt like it was maybe his, what he was trying to create within the dressing room and try to create this, you know, narrative that it's OK, we've, we've got this. But we all know, we've, we've all been saying this for, for months and weeks that the performances haven't been good, the, the inconsistencies have been there. Um, this is not a surprise. That's why we, we could see the trajectory of where we were going. Um, and now uh, you look at the, the Hibs game, we all thought, we weren't saying it was a turning point, but we thought it could be. It could be a turning point. Could this be something that they can cling on to and try and fix? But I just think the, the, the players, the quality of players isn't there. And I also think the manager has run out of ideas of how to, to get more out of them as well now because uh, he, he sounds defeated to me. You look at his reaction even after the match on on Saturday, he, he's putting it on the players. But end of the day, he's got a squad that's still better than the majority of the teams we're playing against. Yet he's getting outclassed by likes of McInnes, um, you know, Aberdeen the other week. Managers are now finding ways to beat us, finding ways to have a go at us. And he's not got the answers to how to, to fix that. I get that the, the squad is really poor right now. I get that the you look at the collection of wingers we've got. I've been speaking about it for ages. Honestly, it's, it's between... Between the four of them that contributed at the, the weekend, that a lot of them wouldn't get a game for a lot of these other teams. That's how bad they've been. But that being said, you have to try and you look at like some McInnes, what he's doing. He's not got any great, brilliant players, but he gets them playing as a team. You know they're greater than the sum of their parts. Whereas we're the we're the opposite. We've got better players, but we're playing worse than these other teams. Um, and for me, that's where it's now. I'm looking at it. I'm like, I just don't see him turning this around. I don't see us. I don't think we've got the quality of players. And I don't think he's now got the ideas or even the, the passion to to be able to to fix this. And and that's the worrying thing. We're only two points behind, yet you'll 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 be hard pressed to find many fans who really can see this trajectory turning the other way around. Yep, I think it is one of the <clears throat> situations where it gets to the point and loads of people in the comment section have already been talking about Brennan Rogers, but we've got to look at right, what are the mitigating circumstances that he had absolutely no control over? And what are the things that are on the gaffer, things that are down to him? And what of those uh, issues can he actually resolve? I mean, you've got a situation, we're talking about wingers there, Jerry, where we're now down to six wingers. We had even more, and we started obviously loaning guys out like Tilio and <coughs> Johnston. Uh, we're down to six wingers, right? Not one of them is effective at the moment. And you're looking at that and thinking, right, someone has actually suggested here, because we don't have a winger, that, that's working, then maybe we should change the system. And I tend to actually lean towards that way of thinking because it's almost as if it's a round hole in a square peg at the moment with a lot of these guys. Jerry, now, Lewis Palmer, you can give me the stats, and I know leading into the game at the weekend, he had something like a goal contribution every 93 or 94 minutes, right? Brilliant. Superb stats. Fantastic. <coughs> Tremendous data. Thank you very much for that. But he was absolutely horrendous in the first half. He was horrendous. I mean, he did nothing positive in the first half to the point where he was hooked. Let me know in the comment section if there was an injury there because it just looked like a brutal hooking at half-time by Brendan Rodgers. In the first 10 minutes of the game, I think he lost the ball five times. And he gets up as if, that's all right, you know, because I'll do something fancy in a minute and everybody will forgive me. I don't think he's got that yet in his makeup to understand that it doesn't work like that, Jerry. It's not just about... You do something fancy, you create a goal, you can go home happy. No, absolutely not. His contribution is so inconsistent. Um, it's indisciplined to the point where he's now frustrating the players round about him. Um, and you wonder to yourself, what is he being instructed to do? Because surely what he's doing isn't what Brendan's asked him to do because it's completely ineffective. And he's been ineffective for a number of games. I think if you're going to stick with the wingers, 
the only answer for me is you, you've got to take Maeda, who's not been on the best of form either. You've got to play him on the left-hand side because at least then, right, you've got one strong side of the park. At the moment, we don't have that. We don't have that. And it, asks, it begs the question, who do you play on the right? I see him, who's, who's on form at the moment that you play on the right wing? Don't for me, Maida's he's offering absolutely nothing at all on that right-hand side. And the thing is, with Rodgers, the style is slow, patient build-up. When we then eventually get the ball to Maida, Maida's not going to take anyone on. So it's pointless having a player like him if you can't utilise the strength that Maida's got, which, to be honest, I find him really frustrating to watch recently because he doesn't, he, like Jerry's saying, his, even his body language, he doesn't, he doesn't even try and take anyone on. It's very safe. He just turns back, plays the ball back in field. But that's all, for me, again, that comes down to the system. If we're now playing in a different way that doesn't utilise the, the pace and the pressing skills that he's got, which are his main attributes, let's be honest, he's not a very creative, technical player, then there's no point in playing him. So that's where I'm like, as a manager, why is he not seeing what a lot of us fans are seeing? That is, it's If we're going to play slow, patient, build-up football, then that's not the, you need creative wingers. And then that leads to other problems, about, again, this, about the recruitment and all that. But as you've said... When the transfer window shut, we've got what we've got. So we we changed the, the topics to now. How can we now get the best out of the the players that we've got for the remainder of the season? And um, for all for all the chat that he's been saying, oh look, we're on good run. We've got um, nine wins out of ten and outside noise, all that. Even I last week after this Mirren game, we all came on with a bit more of a positive outlook because obviously as fans you want to buy into that. It's not about us suddenly changing our our, our mind week to week. We base it on what we've watched at the weekend. Last week at St Mirren, things were improved and we wanted to to jump on that and try and create a more positive atmosphere and, and really hope that we can go on a winning run. But then we see what we've seen on Saturday and it's really hard to, to get on board with that because it's so inconsistent week to week. We just don't know what we're going to get. The manager's decisions and tactics in-game are now confusing me again. Why did we not bring on someone like Awata? Why did we not bring on someone to shore that game up? Um Bernabe coming on, uh, obviously it might have been a fitness issue with, with Taylor, but again, we know that he's a liability. We know that. Um, you look at the back four that finished that game, Ralston, Welsh, Scales and Bernabe. If you said that at the start of the season, that that's going to be your back four in a title-defining game towards the end of the season, we'd have all been like, no chance. Yet this is where we're at on the back of two consecutive Champions League campaigns and all the money that's came with that. That's the back four that we're putting out and we're when we're trying to go for a title. It's from top to bottom, the club is a shambles right now, on and off the pitch, from top to bottom. Um, and, and there's just so many issues, which is why I don't think it's purely on the manager. He's got, like, a, I do agree now, I've, I've finally kind of coming around to the idea that this is absolutely not good enough, what he's he's serving up. But there's so many issues even wider than that. Um, and that's where, I, again, a lot of people in the chat saying he needs to go. Again, that's a chat to be had. There's a discussion to be had on that. Could... You know, you look at likes of Bayern Munich right now. They're thinking of maybe changing the manager at this point in a, in a last gasp uh, attempt to save the season. I just don't know if there's a better alternative right now, though, that uh, with 12 games to go is going to suddenly fix it. But, yeah, in the bigger picture, do I think Rodgers is the right man for the job anymore? I'm having serious doubts about that. Well, this is the thing, because what we do on a Celtic state of mind is we broadcast every single weekday, we cover every single game. And obviously with the, the two games a week, you are going out 11 times a week in that uh, in that instance. So what actually happens is you comment on, on real-time events, and those real-time events um, are what obviously influence your views and your opinions on what's happening with Celtic. And they change depending on the performance of the team. So anybody who's clinging on to something you said three or four weeks ago, come on, we've moved on from that. And that is why opinions change. Uh, last week, I was being as positive as possible, not as a cheerleader, but because we were in a situation where going into that Kilmarnock game, you've got to win two or three nothing and move on. We didn't do it. So the, the absolute mood of that situation has changed. And then you comment on it because it's happened. There's too many people who love to hark back to something you said on the 7th of October last year. And you're thinking, no, because it was right at the time and things have changed and let's move on. And your opinion can change based on the circumstances that play out in front of you. Asim's mentioned, uh, Jerry, that Brendan Rodgers um, is, you know, there's a huge amount of this on Brendan Rodgers. And uh, conversations I've been having recently, I pointed out that you just have to look at the form of Kyogo 
some of that's on the player, some of it's on the, the, the way that we've actually set up to play. And a lot of that is obviously on Brendan Rodgers. Rio Atati, one of the most effective players that we had last season, although affected this season by injury, when he's played, and let's let's not forget when we started the season, he was on the bench. He's not been utilised the way that we could have utilised him. One of the most playmaking figures we've got in, in the squad, and he's not been utilised properly. The defensive scenario, we still can't defend a cross ball. We still can't defend a set piece. We're in the middle of February. We're coming to the end of February and we still can't do it. Why? You know, th- this insistence to constantly throw players under a bus, and I'm talking about guys that you might need to call upon now. We've got a, a defence that looks very, very weak, Jerry. a defence I don't have any belief in. What do you do with it? Because Greg Taylor's back, brilliant. I'm delighted with that. Um, and I'll come back to Asim's point about bringing him off and, and bringing on Burnaby, who should never be anywhere near the Celtic side at this stage. You've got two centre-halves, right, who week on week, you, you know, scales divides opinion. He's put in some brilliant performances this season. But really, we can't defend a cross ball. So I'm finding it hard now to defend the central defenders, Jerry. They've got seven and a half million quid worth of new central defenders still in their wrappers. Because Brendan's convinced himself they're no good enough. And then people say, well, he sees them at training every day. All right, well, that's a massive issue then if we brought them in and they're no good enough for this team because this team's not good enough in terms of defending simple set pieces. And it hasn't been all season. We've got a goalie behind us, Jerry, 75 international caps. He's got experience at Champions League level, international finals, World Cup, European Championship, and we can't defend across. So you need to then start looking at why that is. Where's the dominant centre-half when Carter Vickers isn't there? We can't be in a position where a player gets injured and everything just goes up in the air. We've got to be able to slot somebody else in and continue regardless. So, Jerry, the, the, the points that are on the manager, it gets to the point where people start talking about a change of manager. Not because I wanted Brendan Rodgers in charge. I don't think it's a good idea at this stage of the season where we are. Now, yeah. people might say, but you were wanting Neil Lennon sacked in the COVID season. Yeah, because we were miles off. There was no way we were turning it around. There is a glimmer of hope that we can. You're going to give us a wee bit of that positive hope, Jerry. There's a glimmer of hope that we can still win this league. I don't think you're going to be relying on a new manager bounce to do that. I, I really think that would just yeah. fracture the whole thing at this stage. No, Celtic need at least six months to find a new manager anyway, so we know that's not going to happen. <clears throat> They're no known for speedy reappointments. It's not the time to do it, right? OK, Brendan Rodgers has to take a lot of the flack because the system isn't working, not with the wingers he's got like we've spoken about. Um, knee-jerk reactions just now, so they've gone top. All right, OK, this is football, we're no used to it, but the challenge is on, right? I don't think we need to panic just yet. If things start to keep going south, then we will start to be calling out the manager. But right now, I don't see where it's going to change anything. We've got to remember that they've, the other side of the city, they've got quite an inexperienced squad, but they are playing as a team right now. But they've now got the pressure of being top. How can they handle that? They're not used to it. While fighting in Europe as well. So... They've still got to come undone at times as well. I don't think they're going to go undefeated for the rest of the season. But what we need to do is we need to go undefeated for the rest of the season, I reckon, now. We need to win every single game. And hopefully they're going to slip up. And I do believe that when it comes to experience, and this isn't me just coming on the podcast just to slate the other team, but I don't think they're experienced enough to cope with the pressures. We've seen it time and time again when they've taken the lead and that's when they actually start to play worse. It's easy when you're ch- easier when you're chasing, I reckon, because the bit of the pressure off, maybe. But when you've taken it, now all the fans are expecting this win. So let's see how they handle it with the pressure. We've not been doing great, but I'm rel- I'm hoping that we just can't get much worse. My worry when it comes to the likes of Palmer, I put in the group chat, I'm sick of him smiling every time he makes a mistake. But it's, it's grinding on me. Like I said, it was ripping Manit and it's obviously ripping Brendan's now by hooking him at half-time. I hate seeing that in a, t- a player for any team. Even if I'm watching Sunday League, you make a mistake. Don't laugh and think, oh, and just flippantly. You, you want to be raging at that. I like seeing players punching the ground if they make a mistake. And to me, that means he doesn't quite get it. He doesn't quite get that 
now he's landed at Celtic. It's not all roses. Oh, he's getting a lose more money. He's doing all his TikTok videos and that. And do you know what? He's played his game and that's him being paid. No, it's much, much more than that. Mm-hmm. And if you're smiling after making mistakes in a big game like that, you're not getting it. And how many of them are not getting it? And why are they not getting it? Is Brendan not... He should be fueling them full of passion every game. Is his reserved, nice guy approach just not working? Do they need a, they need a spark? Because when they're coming on, they're relying on the energy from maybe the fans the first 20 minutes or so or the, the team talk that they've just had, and then it just dies off. That passion, that energy needs to stay for the 90 minutes and beyond. And it's, it's hard, it's a tough watch. I joked about the ripping my knitting, but I was sad to watch him smile. And folk will pick on me for that, thinking, oh, he's just trying to stay positive for the game. But it's all these wee things, and I don't know. Like I said in the group chat, from the minute we brought out that home top, I just feel like it's been a, a bit of a jinx season. <laughs> but but I'm, I'm sticking positive. I think we've got to hit a purple patch, and we've got to, and we've got to keep it. And I still think they, they're going to fall at a few hurdles. So keep the faith. Well, exactly. We're the first thing we can do is start wearing that jersey you're wearing, and then we'll put on there. Yep, absolutely. Stop the the jersey. Stop the aye, 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 and stop the rot. Absolutely. Now, I'm hearing news here uh, from B that uh, Tony Mowbray, our ex player and manager, has temporarily stepped away as Birmingham City boss as he undergoes medical treatment for an unnamed illness. So, all the very best to Moga. Um, I, I remember. As a player, him coming in when Liam Brady was uh, in charge, I was actually talking about it today. I was up at Celtic Park doing a Wander Around Paradise, which will be on the channel at six o'clock tonight. And uh, I bumped into two long-standing Celtic fans, Joe Walker and John Mackay. John was over from Canada. We had a wee chin wag and we captured it on on tape, actually. And we were talking about the uh, the good and the bad old days. Uh, Joe's first game was 1964. Been going to watch Celtic 60 years. I love all that. I could sit and talk to these guys forever. And I was talking about the you game. Yeah, the and... game, eh? What was that? Yeah, like the a... game, eh? <laughs> I was at the game. Aye, aye. <laughs> aye, cheers, mate. Thank you. Not that old. And uh, aye, I was talking about that game, the New Year's Day game when Mowbray scored the header. All the very best to Mowbray. He played in a, a poor Celtic side. He came back as a manager. Didn't quite work out. But I think. Celtic fans have got an affection for him, uh, for the way that he approached the games. And obviously during his time at Celtic, he lost his wife to cancer, uh, tragically young. And he implemented the huddle, which we do to this day. It's become part of Celtic's folklore. Big Moga was the guy that implemented that in the side. We need a wee bit of that now. We need the huddle. We need that proper coming together. Now, there is the inner sanctum of a football team where there are certain things that happen behind the scenes that need to stay there. Um, and I want to talk about the post-match uh, comments of Brennan Rodgers and Greg Taylor in just a second. Buzzlop, the centre-backs are our primary issue. We will not win a league with skills in Welsh. It's simply not possible. I think those two players, if we're looking at them as individuals, uh, I seem, they've obviously both been on a bit of a journey at Celtic. The first one, Liam Scales, we've been giving them plaudits all season. Um, Stephen Welsh, he's had a tricky one but the gaffer reckons that he's better than Navroski and Lagerbjelk um, who are either on the bench or not even in the squad but it's difficult, as I said before I find it difficult now to defend the defence because we are not defending properly, I mean okay, we'll look at Bernabe, we'll look at the fact that he's hoping that he gets shoved, he's hoping for VAR to get him out of jail, terrible terrible effort to try and win the ball but we lost the first ball because the ball came in first and we didn't win the header properly and it goes out wide, it comes in again. We're not defending properly. So I'm finding it hard now. I'm finding it really difficult to continually defend the centre-backs. What do you do with it? What do you do with it? Do you try something different? Do you try Navroski? Um, I think the centre-backs, I've said this time and time again, always use Maurice Jens as an example, get the ball to the wingers quicker and then you can break. We're not doing that fast enough, if you ask me. We're not carrying the ball enough as central defenders. What do you do with it? Do you stick with them? Do you make a change? Yeah, the, I think there's problems from from both an attacking and defensive sense. Um, I don't know if you've seen the, the the there's a thing on Twitter just going around with the clip of where we've got the ball for about a minute, and it's the one where Joe Hart ends up just kicking the ball out of play. And I remember watching it in the stadium at the time, and I'm thinking, what's the plan here? Now, obviously, it is we're trying to draw them out and trying to find spaces. 
But Komar and McInnes alluded to it. He said he'll give the, he, he allowed us possession to the players he wanted to have possession. So they know that our centre-backs are not good at progressing with the ball. They're not very good at passing. So they allow them to have it. And then as soon as it goes to our wider, that's when they're on the press. And then that happened again in the second half. There was an incident where it must have been in the right-back area. For a good 30 seconds, we were just between Ralston yeah. to, and then there's a point where Matt O'Reilly flings a ball halfway across the uh, pitch towards Joe Hart. It was just baffling. We had no plan how to actually come out of a press. So what we've now got is we've got, we struggled to break a low block because of our lack of creativity. And now when teams like Kilmarnock come and press us, we struggle to come out of that as well. But So again, that to me comes down to, I think we're missing Carter Vickers a lot because I think he's good at progressing with the ball. I think he's someone that can... Beat a beat a press with a pass, or just when he drives with it. Um, both scales and Welsh are are really bad at that. And then you've now got, like you say, defensively, the amount of times any time a cross ball comes in, you fear, you're, you're worried about it. Um, nobody covered themselves in glory for their goal. You look at it from Yang giving the ball away up the top, and then lazily kind of getting back in. And then there was a cross field ball over to Ralston, and Ralston's miles away. He's again just allowing the ball to come in. Now we've all kind of praised Ralston. He comes in at times, does a good job. But I think now what you've got is four squad players making up a back line or four mm-hmm. players that should be guys that maybe just come in every now and again and can do a job. But now they're making up our full back four. And that's what you're seeing. Uh, you know, a lack of cohesion, a lack of consistency, just general quality. We've all praised skills all season. But you can see it now that the more games you're watching, he does struggle with cross balls. There's, there's just no chemistry between the back four and goalkeeper. There's panic. There was one where Joe Hart's coming out and punching the ball when there's nobody near him. Again, around about that 60-minute mark, which just led to the anxiety within the stadium. But where's the communication? Where's the trust within the players talking to each other? All of that just seems to be non-existent right now. Um, you've Honestly, you've got a back four that, like I said, if we were playing against uh, St. Mary or that's the kind of level I think they would have. Yeah, they're, they're playing for Celtic. And that's nothing against the guys personally. I think they've all came in and done a good job at different times. But we were talking at the start of the season about how we want to improve and we want to get better in Europe and looking at the Champions League. Yeah, we, we've not got enough quality in our back four and in our team in general to be to be consistently putting a run of three or four wins on the bounce and domestically. Um, so yeah, the, the back fours are worried, like I said, both coming out with the ball and just uh, in defence. Um, how do we fix it? Yeah, we've all said it. We've got two guys that we've paid over eight million for um, combined, and they both aren't deemed good enough to play. You've got uh, how much was Bernie? He was about three and a half as well. So you look at yeah. eleven million mm-hmm. on a on a left back and two centre backs that are just not good enough or deemed not good enough to play. You've got Kuhn as well who came on. Now again, you don't want to be too harsh because it's early days, but he doesn't look like he can handle it. He looks like someone who who is fearful playing in front of that crowd right now. You know, there was no confidence in his play. We've seen about four or five different appearances. Um, January was a chance for us to really try and rectify all the problems that we've seen since October, November time. Yet we've not done it. And you look over across the city, they've brought in Diomande, who's scoring a, a crucial goal for them yesterday. They've brought in Cortez, who'd probably be a starter in our team. They've went out and tried to actually win this title. We've not. No, you're right. They're spot on. And I think when we get to the board and we talk about um, how they're going to be viewing this, I think that's partly the, the, the <coughs> issue that we've got. If we're talking about issues that have been created by the gaffer then, Jerry, um, I think that you know when you when you bring on Burnaby for Taylor 60 minutes in, it looks like it was a predetermined decision. You know, we're going to give you 60 minutes, Greg, get you back up to speed. Right, I get that because you're trying to get them back to full fitness. Bernabe comes in, the guy's just chaos. He's chaotic as a footballer. You'd never know what he's going to do. Um, he's got no discipline whatsoever in terms of his positional play. Uh, his passing, you know, ball retention is really poor. And obviously he's not strong enough because the goal epitomised the fact that he's not strong enough. He comes on and our level drops dramatically, not just the quality of the player, but I think the, what, the way that Taylor was playing at that point was... He was really playing the inverted role. A lot of his possession was in the midfield area, and that obviously helps that entire area of the park. He comes off, Bernabe doesn't give you the same presence in the midfield, so you're a man down in terms of the midfield area. And then I think Ida, who, by the way, I'm not having a go at the player because I don't think he had a great game, but in terms of the shape, you bring off Ida and you change the shape back to 4-3-3, 
then you're nullifying Kyogo as well. You're almost losing two players. So I think that's on the gaffer. These are changes that the gaffer made, J- Jerry, and these are changes that I think completely affected our play and the rhythm of our play. We were a different side in the second half than to the first. And I think a big part of that was on the gaffer's changes, Jerry. And, you know, people think sometimes that we're not harsh enough on Brendan Rodgers or Callum McGregor. Well, I think at the weekend, you can look at both of them and say the Perry's were miles off it at the weekend, Jerry. Yeah, definitely. I don't know what it is with Brendan Rodgers. Anytime a player comes back from a, an injury, I, I don't think, he doesn't think any player can last over 60 minutes or they'll explode or something like that. I don't know. It just feels like he has to take them off on that 60 minute mark. If we'd bought in a left back in January, because there was a wee hint out there that we might have needed one, you know? Yes. So then, then maybe we'd have had a better. It's like, who do you blame for that? Is it Brendan Rodgers for bringing on Burnaby? Because we know how bad he is. Or is it the board for not giving him that strength of replacement? Or, I mean, is, is Scales that bad a left back now? Is, is Rudy Vata that bad a winger that he can't get in By the way, Rudy Vata might get a game on the wing. Old Rudy, I think he's about 60 now, Jay. Oh, Let's run with the Rudy, honestly. He's maybe a better option. Mate, that's your one for the week, Jerry. I, I think I seen that game. I actually think I called Rudy Rocco at one point. So, oh well, it's, there's balance there. But I get is Rocco that bad? <laughs> I'd take Rudy at all. But is he that bad? Like is the rest of them? Because I wasn't even on the bench at the weekend. I know, I know. But the thing is, right? We, we couldn't. I'm. I'm not seeing what anyone's seen, what the scouts the scouts have seen in him. He yeah. doesn't even look like he wants to be there. He looks quite angry when he's on the pitch, as if, oh, why are you passing the ball to me? The body language, he just doesn't look... I don't, know. I, I don't even know. I, I think it's he, he, it just looks like the weight of his, the shoulder, you know, the weight of the pressures on his shoulders. And, you know, Celtic Park, obviously, at the weekend and in general... It's a difficult place to play when things aren't going great, but that—that's the kind of we need that we need players with the mentality that'll embrace that. Now I know we've we've harked back to it, but see Jota for example, mm-hmm. he would take that, he would take the game by the scruff of the neck, and he would make things happen even if he's not playing well. And we all remember there were times last season we don't have players like that right now. You're Aaron Moy, Jota, people like that. That even we if things aren't going well, that that's the thing people talk about. Oh, it's a treble winning squad, and again, this, I know it's a topic we've discussed, but. The squad is vastly different to to what was was winning those trebles because even if you look towards the end of last season, the decline was beginning to start showing. It's, you know that as soon as I think it was from the the as soon as last summer the the transfer recruitment started getting worse, and just second season it started getting worse. The quality then we had enough still obviously for the large part of last season we were brilliant, but I think from February onwards a lot of people see a decline in our performances as well then. And I think that's just carried on and we've just not replaced a lot of the quality experienced players that we've got to the point where now you're right, um, Paul John, and, and both of you said it there. Callum McGregor was... I've never, I've never seen Callum McGregor panic like that in the last 10 minutes that I've seen. And is that just because he's off form or is it also because he's surrounded by players that he... You know, I'm not cutting him slack. I know a lot of people say, oh, Callum McGregor, he gets away with it scot free. Absolutely not. I thought he was really, really poor but he is surrounded by a quality of player that's just not up to it as well just now. And it's almost like he's having to carry the team himself. He's trying to do everything himself. But still, that being said, that last 10 minutes was symbolic of, of where we're at. And that stems again to the manager. Why is there such a lack of mentality and belief? How many home games now has that been this season where we're hanging on or we've dropped points? It must be our poorest home since the COVID season, our poorest kind of run of uh, drop points at home. Uh, it's the amount of times we've left Celtic Park this season and you're just like that was not an enjoyable watch there's just so many things wrong um, and there's so many facets as to why it's all wrong but what we kind of were clinging on to is I, I was hoping that Brendan Rodgers was good enough as a manager that he could see us through the line that, that's what I was holding on to I kept thinking that it's fine and that's when he's been given the fighting talk the last, last couple of weeks as much as we've all known that okay it's not been good enough we still probably thought, right, okay, he's he's going to be able to see us through. And I think Saturday was a watershed moment for me that I don't think he is. I don't think and I know that people might be saying, No, I'm not conceding anything. We're only two points behind from from the other side of the city. They they seem to think they've won it already. And that might be the saving grace for us. That I think there's a feeling within their camp that it's already done. But we should not be having to rely on them now failing. We should have been 
doing what we needed to do. We should have been proactive. We were way ahead in the title race back in October, November. For us to now be going to Far Park next week, possibly five points behind, looking for favours, it's it's honestly self-destruction. And that's what makes this season so frustrating because we've seen it all coming. We could see where this was headed and we've done nothing to fix it. You know, sometimes when we talk about some of the bigger issues at Celtic and uh, recruitment inevitably comes into that conversation, some people actually think, why are, you, why are you concentrating? Why are you focusing on that? Well, let's take the Kuhn example. Tiny, tiny example. That is part of the issue, right? So say, for example, Nicholas Kuhn doesn't have the mentality to play for this club, right? That's part of the recruitment process that we don't have because we've been talking about a recruitment process whereby you can identify players either because the manager knows that they're going to do a job, right? So Ange Postecoglou, I think, was great and that he brought in players he knew um, had the qualities in the, the J-League. It was a market we had not been tapping into since uh, Nakamura and Kuki Mizuno. Uh, but he was able, because he had seen, he had worked with some of them, he had seen and worked against some of them, he knew what Aaron Moy could do. So if a manager knows what a player can do, and in the past, Brendan Rodgers did it, obviously, with Colo uh, Turi and, and, and Sinclair, you know a player, you bring him into the club, that's great, that's phenomenal, because you have worked with them, You've given it your own eye test. But there's another way of doing it. And the recruitment, when we do it the other way, is terrible. The recruitment has been terrible when we do it the other way. The other way is, of course, um, with a, a head of recruitment being Mark Lowell, who I think the you know the club might actually offer up as a sacrificial lamb at some point in the next couple of weeks because the last four transfer windows have been abysmal. Now, I'm not slagging an individual player. I'm not slagging Ida. I'm not slagging Kuhn or any of the guys that came before. It's our process. Now, I don't mind the strategy. The strategy of bringing in players at a certain level, a certain price, and making money off some of them. Brilliant. A club like Celtic need that income stream. But the way we're, we're actually implementing it is all wrong. The way that we're executing it is all wrong. Last season under Ange Postecoglou, we have a look at the appearances. How many of those guys were brought in in transfer window three and four for Ange? Not many, right? Alistair Johnston probably was the only member of that team that came in in that period who was a starter. I always said I was on the fence with, oh, I don't think he's developed at all this season that would change my mind about him. He's not a guy that's going to be pushing Kugel for a first-team jersey. So not even O anymore. I think Johnson's the only guy that came in in transfer window three and four under Ange Postecoglou. So you ask yourself, why was the first and second transfer window so good? Because we'd done them differently. We didn't have Mark Lowell at the helm at that stage. Ange Postecoglou, laser-focused, Frank Trimboli, we've mentioned them, CAA base, that was the agency. They used their network, they brought in the players. There was a few of them that didn't come through that process. Uragidi, Liam Shaw, deals that had already been lined up. James McCarthy, who knows how that deal came about. It certainly wasn't an Ange deal. But all the other players that were coming in were through that process. Some of them didn't work. Idiguchi didn't work. Um, in the second season, you know, I've got no doubt Kobayashi was one of Ange's identified players. That didn't work. But the way that we are recruiting just now, eventually, once you've lost some of the quality, and let's be honest, we've lost Zhiranovic, Yakamakis, Moy, Starfelt and Jota, and you don't replace that quality, there's a chasm of poor players at this club who are not good enough to inherit the jersey of somebody like Jota. I was driving through to Parkhead today, this morning, right? And I got stuck in traffic, Jerry. Don't ask me about geography. I failed it at school, and I'm continuing to fail it. I need a sat nav to survive. But I was stuck under this bridge, and on the wall, in green paint, someone has painted Jota on the wing, and it was right there in my eye line as I'm stuck in traffic. And I'm looking at that and I'm thinking, could we not just have kept him? I mean, what have we done with the 25 million anyway? We've just absolutely spraffed it, right? So what we've got is we've got a lack of quality in key areas. But I was with Asim a week or two ago last week. Brendan, you can still sort this out. And this takes us on to the board, right? So what's the board's view on this, Jerry? Because it's going to be miles and miles apart from what we're talking, right? They will look at this and say, OK, at the end of the season uh, or, you know, at the end of the financial year when the chairman's doing his wee statement, and he'll say, all right, Champions League performance, we made more money this year than we did last year. That means that we've done better. So that was a success. A football fan can't see it like that, Jerry. 
We look at that and go, no, we're, we're not progressing in Europe, we're going backwards. They'll then say, we have invested in the most expensive football manager this club has ever had, and we've given them 11 players and we've spent this amount of money on them. Go and do it. It's the football department's fault. That's going to be their attitude, Jerry, because they're so far removed from the way a football fan thinks. So the only thing I think we've got immediate control over uh, as a football club is the football team, the starting 11, Brendan Rodgers, the football department. We can sort that out. All the other stuff, the failing recruitment, the out-of-touch boardroom, the youth academy that doesn't produce youth footballers, they're all long-term things that we need to come back to. We need to try and focus on what we've got at our disposal. I'm like, I seem, I'm not conceding nothing. I'm conceding nothing. Loads can happen between now. Listen, we could be sitting in here in a fortnight having a different conversation. And if there's one thing I've learned on Axom is that's exactly how life works other than the COVID season, which was just doom and gloom every single day. So, Jerry, we're at that point where Brendan Rodgers needs to take some of this on the chin. And, and, you know, if he is the manager for the job, there's no more last chance saloon. It's now or never for him. Yeah, definitely. You can blame everywhere just now, from board to management to the players. It's not right. At every single level here, there's uh, room for improvement, a lot of improvement everywhere. Uh, do you know what I'd love to see? Well, I don't know if I'd love to see it, but it would be intriguing. See Netflix doing one of those documentaries with Celtic <laughs> and watching their transfer business behind oh. the scenes. Yeah. Talk at that on the comedy channel, wouldn't it? Honestly, it's <laughs> like ah, I think they all sit around a wee table and just type in like we doing the FIFA search engine and just type in I want a player with these stats that maybe plays in this league, or just like you were saying before, I don't know if you've said it in this show, Paul John, you probably have, about every player that we've signed, we've pretty much played in pre-season in a friendly and the former team. Last season. Yep. I, I there is absolutely no structure when it, it sounds like there's no structure when it comes to the recruitment um, we were spoiled when it came to when Andrew came in it just seemed that every single player was gold gold and you just you just believed that every transfer was going to hit the ground running it's a bit sad Asim, when you you've got, the reality is hit when you said that we started losing form under Ange in the February and it's February now so basically we've we've been rubbish for a year now and we've managed to stay top of the league for the majority of that time so yeah. aye, we just need I keep saying it we need to see this out <laughs> things need to change at board level yeah it's, we might see the issues are right from the issues, the issues are right from the, to the very top you've got a, an owner who doesn't even turn up to AGMs you know he's, he doesn't even care enough to turn up to an AGM he only gets involved when it's proper, when we proper balls it up, and that's when he'll. Some, and even then, what does he do? He'll go through his phone book and find his con. So you look how we, that's how we got Rogers the first time, and then we reappointed Lennon. It's not like there's any innovative thought process behind the scenes. You've got a CEO who, let's be honest, for the two years that he was out of the picture, how harmonious were things at Celtic when yeah. there was the you know between fans and Ange and everything just seemed like there was a, a connect. I've never felt as connected in those couple of years since way back in the Martin O'Neill years. That was that's how good those last couple of years were. And then just by his very presence, that toxicity comes back. You know, we don't know why or we don't even know what he's doing behind the scenes, but his very presence causes that. And then you've got his son who's the head of recruitment, who honestly, we're we're at the stage we're gonna need an absolute rebuild again this summer because of the mismanagement of this squad. The absolute shambolic two transfer windows that we've had. I say two, but it can go back probably further. But these last two have been that bad. We've brought in 11 players. None of them are, are good enough probably to be starting for Celtic. None of them. So we're going to have to start next season probably doing an absolute rebuild again. You've got a manager who, you know, for all we've been saying, he's a great manager. He's, he's not shown it. He's absolutely not shown it. The things that we used to think he was really good at, he's not shown any of that this season. In-game management, man management, tacticalness, style of football. The things that we've seen in uh, Brendan's first tenure have not been there, but we've all probably just kind of hoped that things would turn around, but it's not. So the, the problems are, are far deeper, and I, the, a lot of people have been saying, well, the only way to stop it or to change things would be if we don't buy the season tickets or if we don't buy the merchandise and all that. The season ticket one's difficult. I've been a season ticket holder for 20 years. Would it be easy for me to just suddenly give it up? I go with my dad week in, week out. That's something that's it's an emotional bond and connection that we've got with the club. So it's easier said than done just to be like, you know what, 
that's that's the way we'll hurt them. I'm, I put out this, the the weekend about if we miss out on this ch- um, title, that we're going to miss out on the sixty million and all the finances that come with it. And somebody said something which which kind of resonated. What difference does it make? We all talk about the finances, right? What as to us fans, we know that Celtic aren't going to go and spend it. So whether we get sixty million for that, another thirty million for Matt O'Reilly does not make a difference to us as fans because whether we go into that Champions League again, they'll do the bare minimum. They'll do the bare minimum to to actually improve us as a club and to improve the, the product that we're seeing on the pitch. So, yeah, it's pointless. But for, for us to look at it from the financial point of view as fans, it's pointless. And you know what? I don't think the board really... It's not that they don't care, but I don't think for them missing out on a title every now and again matters. They probably just see it as natural... That's just what happens. Bayern Munich, for example, they might not win it this season. Or, you know, big teams, they might not win it. They, they see it like that. Oh, it's just it's part of the process. Sometimes we win it, sometimes we won't. Obviously, we as fans, we can accept it. We've all said it. I can accept losing a title when it's when it's when it's based on the fact that we're up against good opposition and you know it's been nip and tuck and we've just missed out or whatever. Things can happen, of course. But when you've got that healthy a lead and when it's pretty much been all self-inflicted. And we've been seeing it coming from October, November, December, and they've still done nothing to rectify it. That's when it really frustrates his fans. And that's why, yeah, people will call it entitled. Absolutely not. We've seen this coming. We've called it. We've said it. And the the powers that be have not done enough to... They've slept at the wheel, as the famous quote was doing the rounds years ago. And then, yeah, we'll, we'll probably see Desmond pop up in summer trying to do something to save it again. Why when it's too late? Well, the thing with regards to the way... The board think about the club compared to the way we think about the club. I seem, uh, I think, it's a massive point because I've heard about, you know, some fans saying stabbed on the cash, and it isn't as easy as that. And in and, and actual fact, what they would do because they're very, very good accountants and businessmen, they would be able to to work it. They would still work the bottom line. I seem if a number of unhappy fans were to do that, they would still be a successfully run stable business and organisation, they would because that's what they're good at, right? Or if there's a black hole because X, Y and Z aren't going to buy season tickets or merchandise, they'll just sell a player. They'll sell one of your star players. So there's, no, I don't see that as a quick fix. I've heard a lot of people thinking that that's the button, that's the only button we've got. You push that and then you can, you can force change. I don't agree with that because I think the club have always, always got this absolutely sewn up. They are in possession of all the aces. If you don't yeah. give the, your season ticket money to them, they'll sell one of your star players. That's always going to be the way with Celtic. I don't think that's the change that needs to happen. I think it's more of a long-term situation where voices on the board from the fans, absolutely, I'm all for that because they don't get it. They don't get it. It wasn't that long ago the chairman was talking about European football as if it was a a fantasy concept, <laughs> you know, it was so far removed from from his thoughts. There's no way we, we're just good to be there. Absolutely not. You can do things so much better. And if you have had the dominance, the period of dominance that we um, have had, Jerry, you've got to be able not only to have that firm financial footing for a rainy day, because the rainy day is just around the corner, uh, but you can also run a successful football side. What bothers me with the football department, Jerry? is we can't even deal with a change in management. Because you look at it, right? Every time there's a change in management, it's catastrophic. Ange left, we, we can't handle it. You chuck money at the most expensive manager we've ever had in the history of the football club, and we can't handle the change in management. That's because we've got a football department which is completely dysfunctional. The football manager doesn't talk to the head of recruitment. So the head of recruitment is identifying players that the football manager has to use, but the, there's, there's no joined-up thinking there. I think, I think that's, quite unfair. that's quite unfair to the board because they did manage to successfully sign Neil Lennon in a shower one day. So <laughs> It goes back to even that. It goes back to that. I remember the, the, the walk from the cup final to the Burnside where I parked my oh, car God. and there was a traffic <laughs> ticket on, on the vehicle, by the way. I remember that. There was some pre-match entertainment in the Burnside. And I remember going back and hearing the news at that point. And and by the way, it's no hindsight go back because Kevin and I spoke about it on a very yeah. early edition of A Celtic State of Mind. But it was the, the manner in which it happened as well. Almost like, you know, you can just... Right, who applied for the job? Who else It's not that they like, Neil Lennon. It's like you say, it's the manner they did it. It's like, it wasn't like it's because it was Neil. It was like in what a shower. What was the process? Didn't, <laughs> didn't Lowell say... 
didn't Lol say that he didn't even look at the applications? That's yeah. I'm sure there was a, that's what he said. Um, so like you said, it even goes back to then. As long as it wasn't, I didn't look at Neil Lennon's application in the shower. There's a drawer somewhere <laughs> at Celtic Park with applications in it, you know. But it's the process and it's the I know best attitude. And these fans, you know, you're a bunch of ruffians. What do you know? And that that is the kind of impression I get from the club. And I think you're right. I seen there was a period of time where it felt as though there was a harmony between fans and club for a spell there. Um, but these things, and, and by the way, anybody outside the bubble will look at us and go, you're the only draw McCormanic guys and you want to take over the club. No, no, it's much deeper than that. And it's over a period of years and loads of managers have suffered fate, their fate because of it. It's the reason Brendan Rodgers left first time round. He'd been presented with players that were not good enough. They didn't fit the style of play or, or the levels that he wanted. Had it not been for Carter Vickers' injury, three of our summer signings would have been out on loan right now. A third of them would have been out on loan. That shows you how bad that recruitment window was. But um, in terms of the the nepotism, uh, Jerry, I just want people to be the best at what they do. If I'm running a football club, I want the best head of recruitment. I want the best head of academy. I want the best managers managing my B team. And I want it all to be joined up. We need to look at the, the football department again, don't we? Yeah, I know we're a family club, but that doesn't mean you need to hire every single person in your family and give them, give them the best jobs. It, it's nuts, but something's got to change. Like you said, I think there might be a sacrificial lamb to the slaughter when it comes to LO, but who knows? Do you know what I'm holding on to? Right, that Brendan did say he was pushing for these big players and they did want to come, but the clubs wouldn't let them go in the summer. Now, I know that's next season, but it's the fact that have they been really trying... Have they been trying to throw the money at it? I'm I'm thinking no, but there's a slight chance, guys. A slight, slight chance that they might have tried to spend the money in January. I'm, I'm keeping a straight face here, by the way. They might have tried to spend the money in January and just couldn't. There could well, be a ton of... Look, look at this, right? It's not the way we want it all the time, but last day of the season, last-minute goal to win the league. When's the last time we've had that kind of euphoria? It's been too easy for us, so I just think... We're getting this dad a wee bit of excitement. It's going to change around. We are going to win the league. We're going to win the cup. That's my that's my way on it. I hope I hope I can bookmark this edition and come yeah. back to it with a smile on my face. Jerry, I, I'm just going to go back to um the summer. And, and you get snippets here and there. I see him, you know, you, you speak like every single Celtic fan, anybody linked with the club, anything, I'm a sponge to information they might have on how we do our business. Yeah. And the name Daniel Podence was was um you know, flying about in the summer. And you look at that and you think, right, we could bring in one winger. We could bring in one winger here. And OK, he's 27. He's going to cost us a lot more than the four wingers that we brought in. But let's be honest, there's no guarantees in life. There's certainly no guarantees in football. I've seen. Wouldn't that have been a better option than buying four where it's really just throwing darts at a dartboard and hoping that one of them hits the bullseye? There was two wingers that we were seriously interested in. He was one of them, and the other was um, Kato Nakamura. From he was at Last Glinsk, and he went to Rhymes, I think, in France for around twelve million. Um, I watched him play for Japan in the Asia Cup, and um, really good player again. Hundred percent would come straight into our team and automatically improve it. Likewise, Pudens. So two players that I know that we were definitely looking at. So that just shows you that if we're looking at that caliber of player. How can it go from that to what we've ended up with? Where, where's the middle ground? Or not even middle ground, but if that's the, the level of you know, what we felt we, we can get to try and improve it, surely there should we should keep on trying at that level. But it's gone from that to then Palma and Kuhn. And that, to me, just shows no joined-up thinking, no, no strategy in terms of recruitment of, like, you have your two or three targets and then you move down. But we've just gone scattergun. Like you say, it's probably, again, agency recommended or stuff like that. It's not actual proper planning, proper processes to, to see what we can do with recruitment. Then we've, we've spoke about recruitment for, for months now, how it's been a shambles. Um, the, the question I've got here as well, like you say, do we think Rogers will be here in summer? If we say we don't win the league, I don't think he'll be here. But even if we win the league, I don't think, I, I, would, I don't know if it's, I don't know if he's been like I said, we've we spoke about it before. Has he been hoodwinked himself in terms of what he thought he was going to get when he was coming back this time round? Because looking looking at that squad, surely he wouldn't have signed up for that if he thought this is this is what the caliber of the squad is going to be. 
So who knows? Like you said, that's for the summer. But at this at this stage, we just need to make sure and try and get this title won. Uh, we spoke about it a couple of weeks ago, didn't we? I think it was after I can't remember the Aberdeen game. We we all said we'll have a kind of give a percentage of where we feel we're at in terms of the the title race. Um, and it, yep. it feels like every second week it's it's reducing. Um, where we're two points behind. We've we've got two fixtures against them, and I know people keep clinging on to that that oh we've still got to play them. But I don't fancy us going to Ibrox at the moment with this squad with this team. I don't think we've got the mental. I think we're, we're fragile. Um, something really needs to change to give us that belief. And that we we kept on looking at wee different chances for turning points, but it's just not been there. We've not had one really convincing statement victory that might think you know what they actually they could do this. So let's. We, you know, we like I said, we probably go into next week's game maybe five behind. Who knows? Hearts might do us a favor, but I just hate now having to look at their games looking for favors. That that shouldn't be the case. Um, so we'll we'll see where we're at. Absolutely, it was in our hands. It was in our hands. I see my let it slip through our fingers. We've got uh, James Coughlin. Good to see you on the old Twitter. Celtic and Leicester supporter. Same scenario playing out with Rogers last season with Leicester. I always find it interesting talking to Leicester fans actually about how Rogers' his tenure started off pretty well, but his success tapered off. Excuses, blame culture, that kind of thing. So it's great to hear from you, James. Keep the comments coming in. Uh, Palmer smiling when he messes up drives me crazy. It takes me oh, back Jerry. to a Yeti against Ross County. Remember a Yeti, Matt? Oh, yes. Remember that? Yeah, and he turned around with a smile. And and I'm looking at that going, am I being too harsh? Is that a nervous thing? But it just it really does my head in as well, I've got to be honest with you. Uh, Robin M, post-match, Brendan sounded like a man defeated. That worries me. Who thinks the title was lost? Self Zero self-belief. Um, Ridiculizer, I'm bringing this up. How could you run through walls for a man who will run away and jump ship when it suits him? I would say, how can you run through walls for a man who's already written you off as a new signing? I mean, imagine now we need to go to one of the centre-halves and say, by the way, we need you to do a job now between now and the end of the season. That's going to be tough. James A. Forrest, apparently we were um, looking to offload him. What if we need to call upon Forrest at some point to do a job for us? It's going to be tough, isn't it, Asim? Yeah, he's he's not been in the picture. He's not featured. I can't remember the last time he even came on as a sub. So, um, again, is, is it maybe better having players like that in now? Just as many players that have, have been there and won titles before just for the mentality because I can't see him offering any less. And I've I've been a critic, not a critic of Forrest per se, but just in terms of whether I see him contributing this season. But I'm watching Maeda play the other, uh, the other day and honestly, I was like, what is he offering? What is he actually offering at the moment? Um, so I wouldn't mind the likes of James Spots. Like, we're at that stage there, it's desperation. We need to try something different. Uh, we mentioned Rocco Vata earlier, genuinely. Um, why not? Why not? You know, we, you may, <laughs> really, but we, we've, we've got to. We've got to try his press conference again this week. Like, what are we expecting from Rogers? Because he's he's tried everything. He's tried everything, but he can't come out with this whole. He can't come out with the same kind of speech he was coming out with last week now about you know this uh, you know narrative that people are saying is there in plain white, black and white for for us all to see. And I got the reasoning behind why he was maybe doing that. You know, in the last couple of weeks, he can't do that again. And I, I, you, you seen he was maybe putting it on the players a wee bit on the weekend. You know, he, he did say like that's not good enough, and he felt for the fans that travel across uh, the country to come and see them. So you just don't know what, what tone we're going to get. And that's been part of it as well. He's been very inconsistent in his messaging and his tone um, all season, which then mirrors the performances on the pitch. Mm-hmm. No, you're right. Because, again, we think, oh, that's great. I love the bullish, Brendan. That's brilliant. But there's only so much times you can come out and say there isn't an issue behind the scenes it's all made up stuff from the newspapers Paul Andrew Martin probably gives us what he thinks is the strongest defence Johnston Carter Vickers Navroski and Taylor there's a lot of people now looking at that central defensive partnership and wondering if it's the correct mix Danielle always a pleasure uh, for your input Uh, even when things were going our way with Angie's second season we should have been looking at a director of football to continue Angie's good work I totally agree with that and that's what frustrates me because we we wait until th- something's broken rather yeah. than you know being proactive 
we're always reactive with these situations. It's like the, the youth academy that we talk about time and time again. <coughs> we should have been looking at that big time when we were winning nine leagues in a row and we should have been creating uh, a conveyor belt of young talents to come through. We never bothered doing it. We just lapped up league win after league win after league win. And every now and again, a youth player came through, but it was it was not the rule. It was actually uh, something of an anomaly. Thanks, everybody, for getting in touch, by the way, because, you know, 17, 1800 live on a Monday. There's a lot of unhappiness, frustration. Absolutely get it. Um, and we will be here for every single moment of this campaign, regardless of how it goes. Check us out at six o'clock tonight. I got a chance to speak to a couple of uh, Celtic fans outside the stadium. That will be part of the show about six o'clock, as I say. Last year, there was an issue with YouTube. I couldn't upload it in time. It probably landed at about midnight. Um, but, you know, keep bringing in the, the views. Subscribe to the channel. Give us a big thumbs up. And if you still fancy coming to live events and being part of the Saxon community, uh, all the ticket details are underneath this video. Uh, hopefully by the time they come round, they'll be in better shape. All that's left for me to say is thank you once again to Jerry Taylor and Nassim Rabani for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind. Podcast Network.